0: Hey, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you that we get to be together to worship, to laugh, to look into your word. And God, I pray that as we look into your word, that you would teach us, that you would show us, and that you would, um, your Holy Spirit would speak to us about what our steps are in following you. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So we are starting a new sermon series this morning. I'm very excited about it. Um, And basically what it is, is we're going to do a study through the book of 2 Timothy. And uh, it's a letter written from Paul to Timothy, and about twice a year, we do a series which we focus on a particular book of the Bible. And I'm excited for this one in particular, um, and I love when we do these book studies for a couple of different reasons. One is we get to take a deep look into one particular book, and we'll look at some history and some context and some word stuff and just enjoy digging in together. But the other reason I'm excited about this series is we have put together a devotional guide for you, which is called Level Up. It's got a big green cover on it. You can pick it up as you go out. But this guide will take you through the letters of 1 Timothy as well as 2 Timothy, and it'll coincide with our sermon series on Sunday mornings. And so it's kind of a double thing here. And So I really encourage you to grab one of these as you walk out of here this morning. So, when I was 14 years old, I got a moped. Okay, did anybody else ride a moped when you were that age? Okay, like two of us, good. So, so but a moped is different than a scooter, which I do have a scooter now, in case you're wondering. So, um, but uh, this is a, a Murray moped, and this is actually the exact moped that I had, not that one, but that was my brand. It had a pook motor in it, and um, and basically what you do is you would pedal this thing. And then once you got going fast enough, you'd pull this little extra handbrake and it would pop start the thing. And then you could ride all over it. Like, I mean, I was cruising around at like 24 miles an hour or something like that as a 14 or 15 year old kid before I got my license. But when I got my moped, one of the things I was most excited about is taking my $5 allowance and going to the local arcade, right? And so I'd ride to the arcade. I'd put it in the machine. I'd get back 20 quarters. There we go. I did the math real quick there because four times five is 20. You got it. Okay. So, but I would, I would play these video games and I would play like Missile Command and Asteroids and Space Invaders and Donkey Kong and, and all of these games. And it was pretty fun. And, and I was, you know, but the goal was I was trying to, you know, I'd try and move a level up, move a level up, trying to get to the next level. And if you're really good, you had a high score up there, but I was never that good to have the high score on the arcade machine. But it's interesting about, like, the quality of video games. So those were these big, huge machines, and the quality was okay. But now, like, we have a phone or a computer with graphics way better than it was on those huge machines. Because back, you know, in the 80s, when I started playing video games, you basically had Atari. That was all there was. And the joystick for Atari, it was like this box with a little thing and then one red button. That's all there was, Right? But God looked down and he saw Atari and he said, It's not good for man to be alone with Atari. He said, I will make Nintendo for man to have alongside of Atari. And so then we had Nintendo, and Nintendo had like two buttons on it, right? And now I I borrow my kids' controllers and they try and teach me to play Fortnite, and I'm like, There's like 59 buttons on this thing. I can't figure out what I'm doing. Now, All that to say, if video games are not your thing, it doesn't matter. It's not a series about video games. But it does kind of give us an interesting perspective that when you play a video game, you're always trying to get to that next level, always trying to get to that next level. And this series, Level Up, is about challenging us to get to the next level with what God is going to do in us and through us. And it really makes a good segue from last sermon series to this one. We talked about reconnect. For four weeks, we talked about how do we connect with God. And this series flows out of it. Okay, we're connecting with God. Now, how do we use that connection with God to level up in the influence that we have in our lives? And so Level Up is going to cover a couple of different things. One, it will be leveling up with our own faith. That a part of this series is for you to own your faith. And that's going to be a big part of this series. Part of Level Up will be about leadership. That how do you lead first your own life, but then how do you use the leadership gifts that God has given you and leading in different areas of your life, in ministry, inside the church and outside of the church. And then there's a third kind of group. For those of us who are parents, this series is going to help us as well. As we take what Paul writes to Timothy, and he calls him my son in the faith. But we're going to look at this and say, how can this challenge us as parents? How can this challenge us to help us to impart spiritual truth and models and examples to our kids? Because I think that, unfortunately, one of the things that we do is we go, you know what, I'll teach my kids soccer, and I'll send them to church to learn Jesus. I'll teach my kids how to hit a baseball, but I'll turn attend the church to learn to read the Bible. And we want you as parents to level up and to own the spiritual growth and the spiritual impartation to your own kids. Again, as I think, just kind of putting us all on the same page for this series, for some of you, this series may be difficult. It may rub you the wrong way. Because if you're the kind of person who is complacent in your faith, Or, if you're the kind of person who just like, I'm good when I am spiritually, I don't really want to grow, I just want to come to church occasionally, it's going to rub you the wrong way. You know, if you're the kind of person that says, I just want you, Pastor Matt, to spoon feed me the Bible, I don't want to look at it myself, this series is going to rub you the wrong way. And if church is just one of the things that you do, like I go to church, I'm on a team, I go to school, or I have a job, I've got these different things, and church is just sort of one in a long line of things that you do, and not Christ as the leader of your life, this series is going to be kind of challenging for you. So here's what this doesn't mean, and here's what this does mean. This doesn't mean that you have to be a super Christian to get something out of this series. It doesn't mean you have to have the whole Bible memorized, or be really mature spiritually, and all that kind of stuff. That's not what this means. But what it does mean is that this is a series for those who say, I want to grow in my faith. The trajectory of my life, I want my life to look different a month from now, a year from now, than it does now. Because I want to be in a different place spiritually now than that I am now. And so, what we're going to do is look through and just read through the book of 2 Timothy over the next five weeks. And it begins this way. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, Paul writes a large portion of the books that we have in the New Testament. And they are letters. All the books that Paul writes are letters. But this letter and 1 Timothy as well as Titus are different for this reason. That most of what Paul writes, it's a letter to a church. So Romans is is Paul writing to the church at Rome. Corinthians is Paul writing to the church at Corinth. Thessalonians, Paul writing to the church at Thessalonica, and so on. That's how he writes to these different churches. But this one is different because it's written to an individual, you see, when Paul writes to a church, he's addressing everybody in the church. Those who are really following after God, those who aren't following after God, those who know a whole lot about following God, those who are brand new in the faith. He's addressing problems in the church. But this, he's writing to an individual, Timothy. And Timothy, basically what this book is about, or a, a large part of this, is that Paul has been the kind of the, the spiritual father of, of the church. He and Peter, kind of side by side, have been overseeing the church in, in a number of different ways and capacities. And so what this book is, this is Paul passing on the mantle of leadership to Timothy. He's passing it on. And so as we look at this, what we're going to do is over the next five weeks, we're going to look at what does Paul say to Timothy. We're going to get to listen in on that conversation, and we're going to listen to it from two different perspectives. One is we're going to be in Timothy's seat, and we're saying, what is Paul saying to us as leaders in our community, as leaders in our church, as leaders of our families? What is Paul saying to us? But we're also going to look at it from the perspective of Paul, saying, what are we going to impart to our kids? What are we going to impart to the next generation, and to have an ear and a thought towards that as well as what do we want to pass on in the same way that Paul was passing on spiritual truth to Timothy. The key verse for this series is found in verse chapter 4, verse 7. Chapter 4, verse 7. I want to read to you, and I encourage you, bring your Bible every week. Have a, if you have a paper Bible, bring it, or if you have a um, electronic Bible. Make sure it's open. You're going to want to highlight some stuff, underline some stuff, note some stuff. But I want you to circle this verse, or underline, it or highlight it in your Bible. This is First, excuse me, Second Timothy, chapter four, verse seven, and it says this: it "says I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith." You know, you could almost. Add to that, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I have leveled up, right? That's what Paul is saying. And so Paul is at the end of his life, and he's writing this letter, and it's the last letter that he writes in terms of what we have in the Bible. It's the last letter that he writes, and he writes it to Timothy, and he's looking back in his life, and he's saying, I have done what God asked me to do in life. I have run the race. I have finished the faith. I have finished the race. I have fought the good fight. Right? So he's looking back and he's saying, this is what my life is about. So here's the question for us. At the end of your life, if you can picture the end of your life, maybe it's 10 years from now or 2 years from now or 50 years from now or however old you think you'll be when you pass on. Do you want to be able to say with what Paul said here is, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. That's what we want to shoot for. That's the goal that we have in life. When we talk about leveling up, that's where we want to end up. And so as we think about that, for some of you here, that just means going in the same direction. You're already on a good step. You're just going to keep taking step after step after step. And at the end of your life, you'll be able to say with Paul, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. But for some of you who are here, it's probably going to mean an about face that you've been living your life and you're not headed in that direction. You've been doing your own thing, living your own way, making your own choices without God as a part of it. And so that's going to mean turning around and saying, it's time to head in this direction. So how do we get from here to there? 1 Timothy, excuse me, I keep saying 1 Timothy. 2 Timothy 1, verse 3 says this. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith. So this is Paul's affection for Timothy, and I want you to underline this little word, sincere, okay? Sincere faith. And sincere If it were to be translated literally, it's a compound word in the original language in Greek, and it means without hypocrisy, without hypocrisy, to have no mask or no covering, without hypocrisy. And so what Paul is saying to Timothy, he says, your faith is without hypocrisy. And so the the starting point for us is asking this question, is where is your faith right now? Not how does it appear to Matt? Not how does it appear to your family, not what does your small group think of you or the people that you serve with or your coworkers? what do they think your faith is, but where actually is your faith? Be honest with yourself. Where is your faith? You know, maybe it's been on cruise control. You've been doing the same thing for a while and there's not a whole lot of fire or excitement or zest for life. You've been kind of doing the same thing. You need to reignite those flames. You know, maybe where you're at is that your faith looks different depending who you're with. You're with these people, and it's, yeah, strong faith, but then you're with people over here, and it's not so strong, and people over here, and they don't even know that you have faith, that you're a different person with different people. Where is your faith? You know, or maybe you're here this morning, and you're just struggling. That You've got doubts, and your faith is just hanging on by a thread because of circumstances in your life or doubts that are running through your head, but where is? is your faith. And one of my favorite quotes is this about leadership. It says, the first job of a leader is to define reality. The first job of a leader is to define reality. And so, you are taking the ownership, the leadership of your life in the sense of owning your faith. And so, the first step is to say, where am I coming from spiritually? Am I in a good place? Was I in a better place now? Am I, am I taking the right steps? But to know where are you coming from spiritually because we want to know where we're coming from spiritually so that we can have this end goal of I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. We have to know where we are in order to get where God wants us to go. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at about eight or ten verses this morning. And what we're going to see as we look at 2 Timothy is it talks about two different things. There's God's provision and my responsibility, God's provision, and my responsibility, and that God has given us these things, and we'll read about some of those, and then we're going to write down my responsibility, or what our responsibilities are, and over the first chapter here, there are four commands that Paul gives to Timothy, and so we're going to look at these four commands, and how they apply to us, what are the responsibilities that we have. So in verse 5, it says this, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. Now, historically, and we learn this from the book of Acts, that uh, Timothy's father was Greek and not a believer, and so he was raised by his mother Eunice, who it says here was a believer. That was God's provision for Timothy. He provided a great spiritual role model, someone to influence him in his life, his mother Eunice. And I want to just take a brief aside and say this, that I know that there are some of you in this room that you're raising your kids spiritually alone, either because of divorce or maybe your husband or your wife isn't, you know, behind you in this. And I want you to know that you can do it, that you look at Timothy's life and he lived an amazing life, incredibly used of God. But he was raised by his mother, Eunice, who was the only spiritual influence in his life in terms of a parent without his husband. You know, I'd like, like, if you're a single mom, I want to get a shirt that says, Eunice did it, so can I, right? That's the shirt that we should get for you. Eunice did it, so can I. Like, who is Eunice? But I want to encourage you, you can do it. It's hard. We have a church to surround you, but you can do what God wants you to do in raising your kids. So then it continues on, verse 6 says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now, a little bit of kind of historical context here. Outside of most Jewish homes in the first century, there would be a fire pit. And in that fire pit, there would be a burning ember. It might be charcoal. It might be wood. It'd be something that was burning at a very low heat all the time, right? It was sort of like an ancient pilot light. You know, you have a pilot light in your gas stove, it's a little light that's on, and then you click the clicker thing, and then it lights up the stove, right? That ember outside of your house, a first century house, would have done the same thing, that it wasn't hot enough to cook on, but when it was time to cook a meal, that you would take that ember and you would fan it into flame, and then you would add wood to it, and that's how you would cook your meal. And so Paul writes to Timothy, he says, fan into flame the gift of God, Which is in you. So he's saying, Paul says to Timothy, You have a gift, and it's there, it's in a burning ember, but you need to fan it into flame, because unless it's flaming, unless it's hot, then it's not going to do the work that's intended to do. Now, the question is as you look at this, you say, Okay, well, what was the gift? It doesn't say specifically what the gift is, but we can take a pretty good guess as to what it was. It says, I remind you to fan to flame the gift of God. Which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So it's not the gift of salvation, because by the time Paul and Timothy meet, Timothy is already a follower of Christ. Most likely it is a spiritual gift. And it's the spiritual gift of, for Timothy, of some combination of leadership and teaching and being an apostle. It was, the, it was some sort of gift mix in there that he says, This is what I'm imparting to you. Now, all of us have spiritual gifts that God has given each one of us a spiritual gift. And so we take this and say the command to Timothy was fan to flame, the command to us is use your gifts. Use your gifts. I'm curious, I want to ask a question here. How many of you think you know what your spiritual gift is, just by a show of hands? Okay, maybe a third of you. Okay, how many of you all think you have a spiritual gift? Okay, 100% of you who are believers, raise your hand. There you go. Okay, now here's the thing. You may not know what it is, right? But if you're going to fan it into flame, you probably need to figure that out. There are lists in the Bible. You can Google, search, you know, spiritual gifts. But all of you have a gift and a talent that is from God. And God, so remember we we talked about this idea of, of God's provision and my responsibility. God has provided you with spiritual gifts. God has provided you with skills and talents that he wants you to use to build up the kingdom of God, to build the body of Christ. But you have a responsibility to figure out what it is and then to fan it into flame, to use it to the maximum potential that you can use the gifts that God has given to you. Now, Timothy is a great guy, lots of character, but also, just like us, not without weakness. And Paul brings up one of his weaknesses in verse 7. It says, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So he brings up fear. Why does he bring up fear? Because that's one of, Paul, that's, that's one of Timothy's weaknesses. You know, if you have kids and they go out the door, the last thing you say to them is always sort of a reminder to whatever problems they're gonna get into, right? So, my oldest two boys, Riley and Will, they'll go out the door and I'll say, Don't be an idiot, right? Don't be an idiot, because they have a propensity to be idiots, because they act and then think, right? Uh, my daughter Emily, I don't ever say to her, Don't be an idiot when she walks in the door, because she's really good at thinking before acting, right? But when Emily goes out the door, I will say to her, especially as she's driving back to college, Emily, drive safely, because she's not such a great driver all the time. She's hit a bush, a car, a mailbox that was owned by the sheriff of Monongalia County, and a gigantic possum. I mean, the thing was huge. We're still collecting hair out of her fender, you know, a year later. She's not a great driver. So we say, Emily, drive safely. Paul says to Timothy, don't fear. He says, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love and of power of self-control. Because Timothy, one of his weaknesses is that he had a propensity to fear. And in a lot of ways with good reason, because God was giving to him the mantle of leadership in the church. But I want you all to understand that God is asking you to level up. God is asking you to take a big step forward in your own walk with God, in your own leadership, in in your own Influence that God has through you, and that may bring to you some fear. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, in the sense that what God is asking you to do is a big thing. If you get serious about your faith, what are people going to think of you? If you take a ministry on and really use your gifts and pour time into other people, what is that going to mean? for you. There are some fears. If God asks you to step up and do something big, what if I fail? What if I don't do what God is asking me to do? And so the fear comes into us as well. But the answer says the fear is not from God. What is from God is the spirit of love and of power and of self-control. That's what God has in store for your future. The next verse we read has the next command in it, verse 8. It says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. This is sort of a three-for-one in this. So it says, first of all, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. So don't be ashamed of the gospel. And then he says, don't be ashamed about me. So Paul, who is a prisoner, don't be ashamed that... I'm right with you and we're friends and I'm mentoring you, but yet I'm in prison. Don't be ashamed of that. And then he also says here, but share in suffering. Share in suffering. Here's what I want us to see as we put these three together, is to expect suffering. You know, 15 minutes ago I said, hey, think about the end of your life. And God says, man, you fought the good fight, you finished the race, you kept the faith, and we go, yeah, that's what I want. But we also need to be honest and say, there will be suffering that goes along with that. That when we do what God wants us to do, there's a difficulty with that. You know, to say that I'm going to grow in my faith and I'm going to have this great impact and it's going to cost me nothing, I think is naive. That if you take these steps and level up in your faith, it's going to cost you money because you're going to have a heart for God and a heart for what God's doing and you're going to give more to God's work. It's going to cost you time because you're going to give your time to God's work instead of maybe some hobby that you have. It may cost you your reputation. It may cost you status. It may cost you some of your goals, putting your goals on the back burner so you can pursue what God has for you. But it's helpful as we go into this to say, I need to expect suffering. Paul says to Timothy, expect some suffering here. And I'm saying to us, expect some suffering as we go and move on in our walk with God. Continues on in verse 11. It says, I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed. Excuse me, I'll stop right there. No, I won't stop right there. Sorry. <laughs> um, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until the day what has been entrusted to me. That last phrase, I wanted to underline that. It says, he is able to guard until the day what has been entrusted to me. Okay, underline that phrase. We're going to come back to it in just a minute when we get down to verse 14. But I want us to see that, that God has is guarding what's been given um, to Timothy. And it says this, verse 13. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And it's that phrase, follow the pattern of of sound words that I want us to camp out on. Okay? That What Paul is doing is he's saying, follow the instructions I'm giving. He probably gave him instructions personally, but also the letters he, that he's writing have become, you know, for us, the scriptures, the word of God. And so for us, the application is this, is follow God's word. Follow God's word. He was saying to Timothy, if you're going to be a leader in the church, you need to follow God's word. And that's not just knowing it, that's not just reading it, that's not just understanding it, but it's applying it to your life. Last week, if you missed it, we talked about, we spent the whole message really just on this one point. And I gave you a little memorable tool, hopefully, of stop, drop, and roll. Stop what you're doing and look into God's Word. Stop what you're doing and drop into God's Word, learn it, read it, and then roll out with application. And I mentioned a tool, our resource last week, I'll mention it again this week. It's called Right Now Media. Uh, and if you had trouble finding the email to get on Right Now Media, uh, we put a link at the top of our website, riverridge.org. You can just click there, uh, and then you sign up. And all these resources are totally free to you, That we our partnership with Right Now Media. And it's basically, it's kind of Netflix for Christians in terms of not movies, but all these studies and, and videos to help you about parenting and growing in Christ and money and relationships and dating and all these different ones. So I encourage you to check out Right Now Media. So let's get back to 2 Timothy. Verse 14 says this, By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. I want you to underline the phrase, guard the good deposit. Guard the good deposit. And here's why. I want you to see this in uh, contrast or in conjunction with what we underline in verse 12. So verse 12 says, He is able to guard... And that's so God is guarding, right, the good deposit. And that's basically the, the leadership, the ministry that Paul is giving over to Timothy. He is able to guard. But then in verse 14, the instruction to Timothy is, Timothy, you guard the good deposit. So whose job is it to guard the good deposit? To Whose job is it to be responsible for the ministry? Is it God's job? He is able. Or is it Timothy's job? You are to guard the good deposit. The answer is both. Because remember, it's God's provision and our responsibility. And so God has given you things to, these entrusted things to you. And so the role for us, the command for us is look after what is entrusted to you. Look after what is entrusted to you. That God has entrusted you with leadership in in lots of different places. Maybe you're a small group leader for middle school boys. Maybe you're a preschool leader. Maybe you lead a Bible study at River Ridge or somewhere else. Maybe you're a parent and God has entrusted your children, your family to you. But God has given you leadership. And, And he says in here, he says, God guards it and we guard it. You know, as, as I think about River Ridge Church and the, the leadership that I have here, there's part of me that goes, okay, I got to make sure this thing happens. I gotta, this is my church and all that kind of stuff and the leaders here. But the fact is, it's God's church. The fact is that he is able to guard River Ridge Church. Is there a role for me to play? Absolutely. But ultimately, it's God's. So whatever God has called you to lead, Is it your responsibility? Yes, but ultimately it's God's responsibility and we can rest in that truth of his provision for us. So we've talked about four commands. Use your gifts, expect suffering, follow God's word and look after what's entrusted to you. And so what we're gonna do over the course of this series is we're gonna keep looking at what is Paul saying to Timothy? What do we learn from that about entrusting leadership to us, entrusting the gospel to us. You know, and we're actually going to take a break in the middle of this on the Sunday, the 14th of October, and we're going to talk a little bit about what's the vision of the church and where are we going, and that's going to cause us as a church to say, hey, it's time for us to level up as we reach our community and our state for the gospel. But I want us to have this end in mind of I have finished the race, I have fought the good fight, I have kept the faith. I want us to end in a little bit different way, and we're going to put this verse on the screen, and I want us to recite this together from 1 Timothy, excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, if we put that up. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. And I'd encourage you even to commit that to memory, okay? Say it with me, ready? I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. That was like a C minus, okay? Okay. Say it like you mean it, right? Here we go. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I Absolutely. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray that those words would ring true of us at the end of our lives. That we could say I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. God, I pray that that would be true of every person in here. Lord, give us the courage to take the steps to live that way in our lives.